one. All right. So blended family, we have a treat today. We have Rhea Story on the show. Rhea, can you say hello to everybody? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. It's just a, such a joy to be here with you tonight. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be, I think, another amazing show as Mac. I know he would not mind me saying this is his better half uh, that is joining <laughs> me. If, if people, family, if you remember, I had Mac's story on her husband a couple of weeks ago. I consider them um, to be really good friends of mine. Um, for those of you that are just tuning in, my name is Marcus Holmes. I'm the blended family guy. And I'm gonna tell you what I do and what I do best. Um, I love transparency. I love the ability or transparency to provide deliverance for other people in what they're going through. So if what I've gone through and learned that's taken me sometimes 20 to 25 years to do so, if I can be transparent with you and it only takes you a day or a week or a month because of what we're conveying, that's what I want. I want to be able to collapse that, that learning cycle. So this is what I do. I have people that are talking about their transitions in life, how they blend their family, their work, their career, their relationships, how they overcome. And this is what we do on the Blended Family Playbook. So we have another exciting, oh, and you know what? I'm getting some feedback. Hold on one second, guys. Hold on one second. Let me see, hey, Taria, how are you doing? We got Taria Hodge on, how you doing, Taria? Oh, man, let's see, let's see. Okay, that feedback sounds a little better. Okay, that's better. Oh, I'm still getting it. Rhea, are you hearing any feedback on your end? Um, I hear just a little bit of static um, occasionally, but not um, not much. Okay. All right. Hopefully that's it. I think we're I think we're okay. I'm not hearing it anymore. All right. So good. Okay. So this is what happens when you're doing a live broadcast. This is Facebook Live. This is going to re be rebroadcast on YouTube, Anchor. This is going to. We're then going to peel the audio off. It's going to be on iTunes and SoundCloud, um, as well as a host of others, other uh, stations. So, guys, I want you to understand, how do you get in contact with me? One, you can go to my website, MarcusHolmes.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-E-S-H-O-L-M-E-S.com. Or you can find me on Instagram under Marcus A. Holmes or Marcus A. Holmes under Twitter. Marcus A. Holmes under Facebook. All right. So I want to let you know that you must also share this. Remember, sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. So we have a great show. Rhea, do you remember? And I, it, ha, it has, ha, I don't even know if Major was born, but do you remember when you and Mac met me at a Chick fil A? in Alabama because I wanted your book. You had just released it. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And I, I think Major was born. He was just a little thing, though. Um, ah. Yeah, you guys were were passing through on your way maybe to visit family. And, um, yeah, we had just a, a great um, opportunity to, to connect and, and uh, share some good conversation. We did. We did. And um, I, I still remember how I first met Mac. And then I had the opportunity to meet you. And when I found out about your book, and I believe I'm trying to remember, it's the it's it was your first book. Mm -hmm. Um and I and I have since gifted it to someone. Um, is it oh oh my goodness, um and I just lost the title. And I <laughs> um that's okay. It's Rhea's story. So I tell people, you know, Max's last name is Story. I tell people I married him for his name. Um, it's not true, but you know, if you're going to be a speaker, having a last name like story is just, oh, it's, it's just too perfect. It's too perfect. So, yeah. So the, the first book I wrote with my, my personal story is Rhea's story because I really thought that, um, you know, I had a story to share and I thought that someone needed to hear it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I will tell you the reason why it resonated with me right off the bat is it, touched on, I think, some very real subjects that 
and challenges that we have, not just in this country, but across the world. Mm. Um, and, and it resonated with me because as some of you on the blended family playbook may know or not, but my mom and uh, experienced a lot of trauma in her childhood mm. at the hands of her grandfather and grandmother um, in terms of they were molesting her um, cousin. Wow. You know, my my wife's uh, I mean, my mom's father was in the service and he was in San Diego, I believe. Um, he left them with his his parents. And, you know, again, these atrocities happened throughout my wife's adolescence. I don't know when it ended, but the point is um, it resonates with me because that's why my mom was so overprotective of me and my brothers. Mm. So I can, I can gratefully say that I'm so glad my mom was overprotective because I think I would have rather had that than her not to be. And that same cycle would have probably continued. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm really, I'm really excited that um, in, in your, your, your courage is again, um, blended family, we're going to really delve into some topics that I think sometimes are uncomfortable for most people. I think these are topics that people don't often discuss because of the shame. And Rhea, I want her to go through what she she's she's still having to do in order to overcome that. And when I tell you that Rhea is is one of my great heroes, I think you'll come to understand why um, here shortly. So, you know, that being said, we're going to get right into it. So um, we're also going to be, again, touching on Rhea's entrepreneurial efforts. Um, she is an author of, please don't get me wrong, is it 11 books now or is it yes. 12? 11. It's 11. I have to stop and count. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to touch on that. How do you balance that? Having a, an amazing marriage. Um, just how do you balance it all? I want people to understand it's not easy. It's with intention. So, you know, we're going to expose a lot of what you do that has led up to your success because it, it didn't happen overnight. I know you and Mac's story. Um, from the, and that's funny. I, like you said, no pun intended. I know you and Mac's story. I just, I, <laughs> I, I've been there. And that's why I've always loved your, your transparency. So, um, Oh, you, you have D. Croft on. All right. So we got yes. people. They're ready and waiting. Hey, um, D. She's saying she's, she loves you, D. Thanks for joining. It's going to be a great show, D. It's going to be a great show. So, Rhea, let's, let's jump into it. Can you kind of just tell us um, your story? I mean, um, you know, from, from the start. And, I mean, start where you feel the best. And, and now I just want people to just kind of zone in. And, and take us through that journey. So please, the, sure. the floor is yours. Sure, so um, I grew up in the uh, uh, middle of nowhere, Alabama, and um, my father started sexually abusing me when I was 12 years old. And we were homeschooled, We'd, so I, didn't go to, I never went to school. Um, we didn't go to church, we were very isolated, um, very cut off from society. We lived in the middle of a farm, in the middle of the woods and, and nowhere. Um, And the abuse progressed as I got older to the point where by the time I was 17, he was regularly having sex with me and would bargain with me for sexual favors in exchange for something like a night out with my friends or an outing. And, you know, he always said he wanted to to give me the ultimate experience. And that looked like a lot of different things. Um, It meant taking nude photographs of me. um, It meant beating me with a riding crop. um, And sometimes it meant sharing me with others. And, you know, there were times when life was just almost not worth living. And I thought about a a tub of warm water and a razor blade to end it. And, you know, I think my story is unfortunately not that uncommon. But even if my story wasn't your story or someone else's story, we all experience adversity in life and hardship. Um, times of trial or doubt um, or disease. And, you know, there's always, we all experience something that we have to overcome. And what I like to say is that what happens to us in life is not as important 
as who we become because of what happens to us. Um, you know, these hard circumstances and adversity, it always influences us, it always shapes us. But the question is, how does it shape us? And that's ultimately, that's ultimately our choice. You know, we, we don't choose to be victims in life, but we choose to be survivors. We choose to be overcomers. Um, I left home at 19. Um, I met my now husband, Mac, of, um, gosh, we've been together almost 18 years. And I call him my knight in a shiny Camaro. At the time, he had a, a silver shiny Camaro. And, you know, I, I had run away uh, multiple times before meeting him. And when I did meet him, he was really the first person, um, even over all of the years, some of my family members and, and my friends, um, even though they weren't close, most of them suspected that um, that my father was was sexually abusing me. But no one ever asked in seven years. And Mac was the first person to um, just come out and say, these are the signs that I see. You know, I just is something going on. And, and he was the first person to ever just have the courage um, so when you talk about a hero, you know, that's sometimes it takes courage to stand up and say, it might rock the boat, but this is the right thing. I'm going to stand up for it. So wow. um, I left home at that, at that day and uh, I haven't been back. I didn't, I never looked back. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a high school diploma. I'd never been to school. Um, but I had a, a little bit of hope and uh, a whole lot of love. Wow. Um... Whoa. So you mean to tell me that Mac was the first person that had ever asked? Yeah. Nobody. And, and, and I'm sure, Rhea, I think it's probably safe to assume people suspected, but like you said, just didn't have the courage nor, I, I'm not going to say the insight because there's always that, I don't want to call it the sixth sense, but that that intuition that says, okay, something's wrong here. But Mac was the first one that actually stood up and said, I care enough about you to actually ask. Just ask the question. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think that's that's something that that's a pro an issue. And, and even in our culture or even in other cultures is that there is there's a certain type of shame or a stigma associated with this topic. And so we don't talk about it. We're afraid to have a confrontation or we're afraid to, to ask a question. And um, you know, I think I, I think if that's where that's where the problem comes. If we have if we have to hide something, if we have to cover up something, if we have shame about something, that's a sign that that things aren't right. You know, it's it's when we when we have to put it in the darkness that we give it power, and we can bring it into the light. That's when we find the strength um, to overcome. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, I think you know. Rhea, this is, uh, again, something that has, it resonates with me, the story, because I think we need to touch on that and dig into it a little deeper, the, the stigma. And mm. I think that's why I'm such a huge advocate for protecting children, right? Um, I mean, I'm very sensitive to that. I speak out and I'm always telling people, you have to ask the tough question. You have to ask that very, very tough question when you suspect something in your family. I, I have friends right now that have been abused by family members, are 50 and 60 years old, and still have never told anybody. Wow. Their own family doesn't know. And the perpetrator, they're still going to family reunions with this person. Mm, wow. And, and do you see that? How does that, how does a person manage that in terms of the shame and the guilt? Because I, I just, and, and that's why, you know, I really want to want to touch on how, how did you deal with it? How did you mm -hmm. overcome it? And when you were met with that shame, how did you overcome it? Because you're right. It's, and you know, I'm a big Brene Brown fan. Mm -hmm. Shame. How did you deal with it? How did you overcome it? You know, I think in overcoming shame, there are two steps. Um, and it's a simple, it's simple to say, and it's simple to talk about, but 
difficult to do. And it took me, you know, it took me many years. Um, I left after I left home, I closed up that part of my life and I locked it behind a door and I threw away the key. I was not going back there. Um, we didn't talk about it. Uh, you know, my, my grandparents and a couple of um, close friends knew, um, but I didn't talk about it to other people. I didn't mention my parents. They moved out of state and uh, I just didn't look back. Okay. And it wasn't until 2013. Um, so 13 years had gone by. Um, and I heard Les Brown speak and Les Brown is a, a motivational speaker. And he says, um, you, and he's speaking to a room full of people, but he said, you have a story to tell that, and someone needs to hear your story and only you can help that person. And I thought, wow, I've got a story to tell, but boy, I don't want to tell it. And, uh, it took me six months to really overcome that feeling uh, of just knowing that that was a, a calling, something I was being called to do. If I could just help one person um, by sharing my story. So it took me really 13 years to get to that point. And I think um, maybe even longer after that in, in being able to say, this was, you know, something bad, something terrible, and it affects me, but it doesn't have to affect me in a negative way. And that's, that's been a journey. Um, I think everyone gets to that point differently. But um, two steps in overcoming shame. Um, number one, I think we have to identify the lie. Um, and, you know, even Brene Brown um, talks about the difference between guilt and shame. Shame is I am a mistake. Guilt is I did something. I made a mistake. Shame is I am a mistake. So I think that's the first thing is we have to identify the lie. Uh, the first step there is, is taking the responsibility and saying, I can't control what happens to me, but I can control how I respond, how I respond to it. I can't control everything that happens, uh, but I can always control my attitude and my mindset. Um, so I think that's the first key is identify the lie that we're telling or believing, telling ourselves or believing in, in ourselves and saying that I am a mistake. Um, you know, if, if you're a person of faith, I, I think that we cling to um, the Proverbs, uh, fearfully and wonderfully, or Psalms, fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Um, because if you're a person of faith, then, you know, God doesn't make mistakes. So the feeling of shame of I am a mistake, God doesn't make, he didn't create mistakes. Um, and you know, that's a personal decision for everyone, but, um, that's, that's a big part of my journey. So the first step is identifying the line. The second step is refute it. You know, if you need to, to absolutely sit down and, and write an affirmation claiming your truth, then, then go for it. And, you know, I have, uh, I have affirmations posted up on note cards all over the place. Um, you know, because it's, it's almost a daily choice sometimes, to get up and say, I'm going to choose to be positive. I'm going to choose to claim my truth today. Uh, and it is a journey. You know, I, I don't know that you ever get there, that you wake up and, and say, I'm done. Um, you know, it's a, it's a decision every single day to get up and say, I'm, I'm going to be positive about this. But here's the thing. When we, we're able to transcend any experience, when we're able to look back on, on something that happened and say, you know what, this has made me stronger. You know, that's what resilience is. Resilience is, is rising from the ashes and, and, and being brighter because of the flames. And I think it's important that we build a bridge out of our past instead of trying to build a wall around it. See, for 13 years, I was building a, a wall around what happened to me. And it's important to build a bridge from the past um, to the future. You know, um, Rhea, one of my good friends, uh, Dominic, if I want you to read his comment, he says, you know, my brother Fred Hines, and I know Fred, um, I was good friends with Fred and Dominic, but Dominic deals with the guilt of not being there the day that Fred died. He says that he, he had been thrown in jail and that was the day that Fred died. Fred, um, it wasn't his fault. He was on a motorcycle and he was killed instantly. Mm. Help Dominic through that because um, 
that has really, and Dominic has an amazing family. I love his wife, his mom has some amazing children. Um, they're doing well, but it bothers him and it sticks with him every day. What would be your advice to Dominic? Sure. So I wanted to share something that I had um, I had written down. So I wanted to share uh, a quote here. So I'm, I'm flipping over to a page. Um, and C.S. Lewis speaks uh, to forgiveness and mere Christianity. Um, but I wanted to share a, a quote um, from, it's called, it's a man named Paul uh, Beast that talks about forgiveness doesn't change the past, but it enlarges the future. And you know, forgiveness is a verb. It's like, it's like love. It's something we have to actively do. And particularly when it comes to forgiving ourselves, it takes, it takes that action of, of mindset, that change in mindset. Um, because that's, you know, what we focus on expands. And when we focus on, I made a mistake and therefore we carry the guilt, what that does is it prevents us from looking forward to the future. And it'd be like driving your car down the highway, but you're, you're always looking out the back window and you can't turn around and you can't focus on where you're going. And I, and you know, again, that's a simple analogy for a, a process that really, it, you know, it, when we're dealing with these emotions and we're dealing with real pain, it's not easy to do because we are human and, and we've, we have these emotions and there's nothing wrong with that. But what's important to realize is that um, we always have the ability to be what Stephen Covey calls proactive, responding based on our values instead of our feelings. Now we have those feelings and they're there. We cannot change that, but we don't have to respond to them. Um, and I'll give you an example that from my life. Um, you know, when I left home, I left behind uh, my parents and I left behind a younger brother. And, you know, my parents moved out of state and kind of cut off um, all um, contact with the family. And, and at the time, my decision was not to press charges for, for what had been done to me because I thought the best thing for me was to just move on. Yes. And right or wrong, it's a decision I've had to live with. But I look back now and think, what if I had made a different decision? My life certainly would have been different, but so would probably my mother's life and my brother's life. You know, they stayed living in that house and, you know, for many years. And, um, I, you know, was that the best decision for them? Probably not, you know, but yeah. I, I, I can't change that. And so, you know, it's looking back and saying, I, 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 if I made a mistake or I feel like I made a mistake or I feel like I have guilt or, you know, Dominic, and thank you for sharing your, your story. I know that's, that's hard. It's saying, gosh, I did something and I made a mistake and I can't fix it. You know, the thing is we choose our actions, but we don't get to choose the consequences that come with them. And that's hard, you know, because we don't, we have to live with the consequences, but we always have the ability to learn the lesson and say, you know, if I learn the lesson, this can be a positive thing. If I can learn from it and not repeat it, or maybe I learn from it and I help someone else not repeat it. You know, you touched on that, Marcus, of, of sharing our journey to help others. And, you know, there again, it's, it takes a lot of time because it's like a mind muscle that we have to exercise just as much as our physical muscles get stronger when we exercise it. It's a mental muscle that we exercise and saying, in this moment, I have these feelings, but between any stimulus in life, I, as a human being, have the freedom to pause and choose how I respond to that stimulus. And it's it's hard and difficult as it is. It's always a choice to say, this is bad, this is terrible, and I I feel that burden of guilt or shame, and I want to carry it, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to pick it up. Instead, I'm going to say, I made a mistake, but I can be stronger because of it. You, you know, Rhea, you just, while you were saying that, Dominic, if you're still listening, my brother, I think Rhea makes a really valid point. Um, 
maybe how you can um, help and help someone else so they don't experience what you went through or and, and, and went through with that ordeal, with that loss of, of um, Fred, great guy, is maybe you go to the juvenile detention center and share your experience mm-hmm. and share that, you know, that, that, that hurt, that pain that you felt. So maybe some of those other kids don't go through it. Fred, that's what I do. Um, I'm always trying to speak at the juvenile detention centers um, to these young men um, so they don't continue to make poor choices in life. And hopefully they can correct their, their, their path, their state of mind. Um, so, you know, just Rhea, I thank you for sharing that. Dominic, I hope you're listening, my brother. Um, but I know Fred would not want you living in this guilt. I know Fred would want you to be living your best and I see it in your children, but I know he would, he would not want you walking in this um, guilt any longer, Dominic. So, hey, my brother, please um, just know you're free from this. You're free from this, my brother. Yeah, I like what you said, Marcus, because it's, you know, it's one of the key things that when we can help someone else, it's almost like it's impossible to lift someone else out without lifting ourselves up in some way, too. And, you know, when we're able to lift someone else out, we find um, physiologically it changes the, the chemicals in our brain that helps us have a new perspective and a new mindset. Um, it's powerful. And, uh, you know, it's interesting. That's why I started sharing my story was to help someone else. But what I find was that it helped me heal in so many different ways. And there's a, there's another um, comment here. So let me read this. Okay. That's awesome, Dominic. That's a great, that's a, absolutely sharing that testimony. And, and we all do, we all Every single one of us are a work in progress. Um, yeah. As Max says, we're under construction. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we do, we work every day to get better. Absolutely. We do. And Dominic, you just keep pushing, my friend. Um, uh, Rhea, I've known Dominic, um, wow, uh, since I was 14 entering high school. That's when oh. him and Fred, um, I came from the Catholic school. And um, they they let me have it my first day because we were on the basketball team together. But I I know Fred um, and I've known Dominic for, again, um, well over almost three decades. So this is my brother. I know him and I know it it still bothers him. But Dominic, always praying for you that, again, you don't walk in that guilt and that shame any longer. Um, So keep doing what you're doing, my friend. Rhea, thanks for kind of, you know, giving Dominic that advice. Sure. Uh, we we got to, I want to go a little deeper. So Rhea, what do you do when, you know, I believe one of your points, let me go back in, in my notes. Um, your second point was refute the lie. And then, you know, number one was identify the lie in terms of how to deal with shame. What do you do when that part of your life keeps trying to come back in and rear its ugly head. What do you do? So um, did your father, your mother, your brother, did they ever try to reach back out to you once your father had cut off communication? What happened? Um, Yeah. And there has been, um, there's been, you know, it's just been fabulous to have uh, my brother who, you know, he's been back to visit. And so we've kind of, you know, established uh, a relationship and, you know, I, that's his story. So I, I don't get into uh, that, you know, I don't, I don't, I can't share his story. Um, so, but uh, we didn't have any contact from my parents up until about uh, three, well, two years ago now. And they didn't actually contact me, but um my father reached back out to his parents, my grandparents, and was very, um, it it wasn't a, it wasn't coming back with a, an apology or let's reconcile or let's heal. It was, um, it was almost a harassing, uh, of them. And just, um, and at that point I, I pressed charges, um, because, you know, I would not have gone to the authorities after this long. Um, but you know, without, 
without a reason because at, at this point everyone had moved on there was no point in dragging you know everyone back through this but i'm not the same person that i was you know 18 years ago and i won't stand by and let him continue to cause hurt in the family um because that's it's that's not right you know that at that point I have, I feel like I almost have a responsibility to say, no, we, we are going to talk about this. Like you talk about that part of your life that wants to rear its, its ugly head. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's drag it out and let's talk about it because only then can we truly move forward. You know, if we're, if we're hiding, I use the analogy of a wound um, that it, you know, it's kind of like there's something still in there and it just festers and, until we get it out, it's not going to be able to heal and it will, you know, it'll just fester. And once we get it out, it will, it will heal and it will leave a scar, but our scars can make us stronger. Um, you know, God doesn't cause the pain in our lives, but he can use it when we let him. And when we let him, it becomes something that he uses for good instead of evil. So maybe something that was intended to be um, evil for bad and, you know, bad things happen. But when we, when we're able to say, I'm not going to let it define the rest of my life. It, it refines me, but it doesn't define me unless I choose to let it. Wait, now, Rhea, wait a second. You gave us two, I'm a big quote guy. Uh -huh. you, gave me two, you gave me two of them and I'm going to tell you, I was trying to type them quickly. <laughs> But, it's but okay. they, they were good. Okay, so we're going to get to this question because Taria had a question for you, and it was, how do you okay. first find the courage? How did you first find the courage to share your story? But, oh, and, and look, Taria was able to share the quote. She got it. God doesn't. Oh, there we go. Thank life, you, Taria. But he is able to use it. Man, mm -hmm. that's huge. And then there was the other one, the one you just said, um, Oh Lord, see, it was so good. I'm gonna have to look at the replay myself. One of um, the one about defining and refining. Yep, there you go, Rhea. Say that one more time for our audience. So it it you know things that happen in our lives, they they refine us, they influence us, they affect us, but they don't have to define us for the rest of our lives. It absolutely affects us, but it but it doesn't have to define who we are moving forward. We choose that. We choose that. Good stuff. Good stuff. And let's get this question answered, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, how did you first, here, let me show this. How did you first find the courage to share your story? I mean, yeah, that's a great question, Taria. So I shared with you all that um, I heard Les Brown speak, and that was in February of 2013. And he says, everyone's got a story and, and you can help someone when you share your story. And I thought, oh, I've got a story, but you can't make me tell it. And I spent six months saying, I'm not going to tell it. I have moved on and put that past behind me. But what I didn't realize was that in doing that, I was allowing it to control me. In refusing to talk about it, I was allowing it more power over me. Wow. And we went for a speaker training with Les Brown in August of 2013. So it's been, um, last week was five years ago. Last Tuesday was five years. And the speaker training, part of it was everyone had an opportunity to share a 60 second, one minute story. And you could say anything you wanted for those 60 seconds, but it was only 60 seconds. And, you know, I wanted to be a speaker, but I didn't want to talk about me. And, you know, those whole six months I'd been saying, oh, this could be this could be great. I could do some coaching or speaking and, and talk about it. But I didn't want to talk about me. You know, I want to talk about other stuff. Um, and so the day of the speaker training came up and I had a meltdown like in the in the ladies room. I mean, like ugly crying, mascara running meltdown because I really had been thinking about this and I'm like, I can't do it. I I can't do it. I didn't even tell anyone what I was thinking about because I wasn't sure that I could that I could share my story. I mean, it just had so much power over me. You know, at this point, it had been um, 20 years of my life that I had been carrying that burden of of shame. 
and after the ugly crying in the in the ladies room i kind of fixed up some mascara and i went back in and i thought you know what it it was almost that i had a sense of feeling that um you know if you're a person of faith i say god came back and said you know you don't have to do it alone you can do it but you don't have to do it alone and for me that was powerful in just saying you know i i'm not alone in this so i went back in that room and i i shared my i think it was 47 seconds and which is short you know i i just told the world that i wasn't gonna let my past hold me back but in doing that i proved it and from there, you know, it was another step to, to think about writing the book and, and sh you know, writing the book and sharing a little more and then speaking from the stage and sharing a little more. And, you know, courage isn't, courage isn't not having fear. We all have fear. Courage is, is having fear and acting anyway. And, you know, courage comes in a lot of different varieties. You know, we have our heroes you know, the firefighter that runs into a burning building, that's absolutely courage. But it also takes courage to stand up when you know something needs to be said or courage to stand up for who you were intended to be. Um, you know, courage to just share that vulnerable part of us because we know in doing so we can help someone else. Uh, you know, our influence doesn't come from pretending not to have flaws our influence with other people comes in admitting our flaws, our mistakes and saying, I'm going to overcome this. That was a long answer for a simple question. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that was, that was good stuff. Taria, Taria, you know, um, I'm sure you saw her comment. She said, I feel the same way. Yeah. Man. Um, courage. It's sharing our vulnerability. I completely agree. It's not having fear. It's having fear and acting anyway. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, uh, who is it from the John Maxwell team that I would I love to hear them say it? Um, do it anyway. You know, if you're fearful, do it anyway. Do it afraid. And I just, uh, Rhea, again, just really, you guys got to get her book. Um, Rhea, why don't you go over a few ways that people can get in contact with you? I'm going to put a little action. Guys, I want you to follow Rhea on LinkedIn um, mm -hmm. and hear. Here's where it shows how you follow Rhea. If you want to buy any of her books, you can go to Amazon or you can buy them directly at RhiaStory.com. Mm -hmm. um, Rhea and Mac, they have some downloadable. Um, if you go to her site, you can purchase um, their LinkedIn strategy on how to attract business. Um, and so if you'll see that ticker tape right there, LinkedIn.com. Um, you'll see the, you know, forward slash link L I N or L N um, and then Rhea Story, I N and then Rhea Story. That's how you get in contact with her on LinkedIn. You also have, again, her website. Rhea, give us a little bit of background on Yale. So he, here we go. This is the, this is the great <laughs> thing that I, I'm, I'm going to really enjoy um, hearing about. So you're an 11 time author. Mm -hmm. I believe you're getting ready to drop another book, right? I believe you're working on one from what Max said. You're almost finished with well, one. Well, I just, yeah. In fact, it will release this week. So I'm counting that as number 11. Um, Outstanding. Okay. So, so guys, book number 11 is on the way. Here's what I want to say. Taria, make sure that you, you get this. Rhea's success, right? So for everybody that has been sexually, mentally, physically, abused. I want you to listen to me. If you've suffered, if you've suffered any type of traumatic experience in your life, Rhea's success is an indictment against your failure. Mm. And I want you to understand what I'm saying is that God has forgiven you in terms of him dying on the cross, right? You're free from all that. Forgive the person that committed the hurt so you can be released to move on in life because you do not want to be hunkered down in the past, in, in things that you had no control over as a child or even sometimes as an adult or an adolescent. But I'm just letting you know, 
here's your success story. Here's your blueprint. Rhea broke the code. <laughs> All right. And how did she do it? Re listen to this broadcast again. If you need to listen to it 10 times for her to, for you to see that it can be done, she did it. And I'm talking about this is very sadistic, very maniacal, um, just, um, it, it just crazy, right? And she's a survivor, an 11-time author. Rhea and her husband are about to speak at Yale. They didn't ask for this. Yale came after them. She is a successful entrepreneur. She works for no one, has a successful marriage. And I'm just telling you, her success is an indictment against anybody's failure that says, I can't make it because of my past. Mm. So I want you to understand me. This is why this show is important because I need you to see this um, Facebook family. And this is why I want you to share this, right? I really want you to share this broadcast because this is what keeps people in Rhea. I'm not on my soapbox. I'm on my, I'm on this really being transparent and sure. really causing people to really self-examine, blaming everybody else so they can't blame themselves for the hole they're in. You know, me and Mac were discussing this, Rhea, right? Um, a couple of weeks ago. People blame other people in order to avoid blaming themselves for the situation they're in. So, you know, I, Rhea, I just, your success is an indictment against anybody else's failure. Well, so. you're, you're kind. I did a, um, on my podcast last week, I'm, I talked about that. You know, the key to, to self-worth is self-responsibility and saying that, you know, I'm responsible for what the thoughts that I think and the actions that I take and the choices that I make. Um, you know, we choose those and, you know, we don't control everything that happens. We can't control other people. We can't control the weather. But I can, you know, I can't control if it rains tomorrow, but I can control if I pack an umbrella. You know, it's it. it's learning to be proactive and saying things are going to happen. How I respond determines the results that I get. And we do. We we tend to let things hold us back. Um, you know, we tend to have self-limiting beliefs and we own them and we want to hold on to them because, you know, it's almost like it releases us from doing something. And that's an easy it and it's easy to do it's comfortable maybe it's like you know uh, I, I meet a lot of people who are unhappy in their job or their circumstances and they they won't do anything about it because it's a known comfort and I think that's where we kind of get stuck in the cycle of saying things are bad but I know how bad they are and so I won't take a risk to do something else or I won't take a step outside my comfort zone. Cause what if I don't like the new situation? Well, then you, then you change again. You know, um, we as people don't like uncertainty. We don't like change, but that's, that's where we find our growth. And when we're growing, we're stretching, we're learning, we're reaching. We're also coming closer to our, our purpose given our purpose driven life. You know, we've got to be searching and reaching. And the moment we become comfortable, we start to stagnate. Uh, so, yeah, I could get on the on my it's not a soapbox. But I'm just it's I'm not. passionate about this because so many people just settle and life is so good when you don't settle. You know, it's it's learning to be comfortable on being uncomfortable and saying, I'm not going to settle because I don't have to settle. You know, life should be lived abundantly. That's the purpose of life. And if we, the moment we settle, the moment we say, I'm not worth more or I'm not worthy of more, you know, but taking that responsibility and saying, I'll be responsible for what goes on here is the minute that we can change the rest of our circumstances. Not, not instantly, perhaps it's going to, you know, transformation takes time. Um, I, I was thinking that, or I was writing the other day and, um, uh, one of the things I'm passionate about is is helping people understand the thoughts that we choose for ourselves dictate our feelings and our emotions. You know, the the consequences of the thoughts that we think are the choices that we make. Man, see, Rhea, you okay, so so Rhea. <laughs> Can people go to RiaStory.com to get the book, right? Absolutely. <laughs> How absolutely. do they buy it? 
We're absolutely riastory.com. You can uh, find all of my books there. Um, they're also available on Amazon. Um, but uh, on the website, I've got a, a, a link to my TEDx talk where I talked about building bridges from the past and what resilience looks like. Um, you know, and it, it really is. It's just about sharing the message because if I can help someone else overcome something in their life, you know, that's what it's about. It's being a river and, and not a reservoir. It's about being a river, never, never a reservoir. You know, I've heard Max say that for years. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, Rhea, tell, tell everybody um, if there's any women or men out there, your transition, right, from, I believe, Rhea, and if, if I, I'm almost for certain you were, you were a leader in a healthcare organization, a pretty mm -hmm. large one. And you stepped away from that to follow your passion. I did. So tell us about um, that. You know, I I uh, I had left home at 19. I didn't have any. I'd never been to school, so I I started working um, at a pizza restaurant. And then it didn't take me long to realize the job of my dreams wasn't going to come find me at Pizza Hut. So I started taking night classes and going to school and working a full time job and sometimes two jobs and going to school full time. And um, it took me 10 years to graduate with my MBA. And through that, I continued to work and continued to get promoted and get better opportunities. And I was very blessed to, to end up in the healthcare organization I did. Great organization, fabulous, um, fabulous boss, the best leader I ever reported to. And it was the job that I'd gone to school for 10 years to get. And I was so blessed to be there. And uh, it was a great job. Um, but 10 days after giving my one minute speech in the Les Brown speaker training, I walked in and I, I cried when I, I told my boss I was resigning. But, you know, Mark Twain says the two greatest days in your life are the day you're born and the day you discovered why. And that August, five years ago, I discovered my why. And it's the difference between a good career and a calling. Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, I got okay, Rhea. Hold on. You know I have the you know, you know I can't take it. You and your you and your husband and anybody on this program that knows me on the blended family playbook. When I start doing my my New Mexico, ooh, wee, that means that it's something that has been said that's profound in my opinion. Rhea, so you're telling me a one minute, I guess you could say your one minute story changed 10 years of education. What you had been working for mm -hmm. 10 years to attain, yep. a one minute conversation where you basically found your passion, which was on the outside of your comfort zone. That's the other thing. It's funny, your passion, normally when you start pursuing it, it's on the outside of your comfort zone. It changed your whole life and you went from a career to a calling. Guys, I want you to understand that. now. Now, don't get me wrong here. You can, your calling can be your career in corporate America. Absolutely, not absolutely. That you need to jump ship and and start, you know, pursuing that because Rhea and Mac are the real deal. I'm going to tell you, their story is absolutely real. They went rock bottom but did not care. They wanted to pursue their calling, their passion. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to say it, that's for everybody. And somebody, I'm just letting you know, people out there, your calling might be to be in corporate America and be an, evan an, an evangelist of change there. So I just want to make sure you understand that. Absolutely. Rhea, go ahead. So, uh, yeah, you're right. We we kind of threw everything in. Mac was already um, working as a, a consultant and we just he transitioned to more of a leadership focus. And we realized that we wanted to do this together. You know, we had been working in two completely different careers in two completely different industries. And we both shared a passion for helping people. And um, I you know I worked out a, a nice several month notice. Um, and they were, I mean, they were a great organization and they would have worked with me and supported me. But I couldn't, I couldn't dedicate my time and energy to my calling if I was giving them, you know, 60 hours a week. And 
you know, it's not for everybody. I mean, I cashed in my retirement and I, you know, gave up my health care insurance. Come on, come and, you know, just that's real. We we sold our house, we sold our cars, we moved out of state, you know. But there all of those things are, you know, they don't really they don't really matter. You know, I'd been I'd been successful, but you know, there's there's more to life than things. I mean, the the, the true happiness you doesn't come from anything you can buy. You know, it's the intangibles in life that really bring us joy. And what I discovered was, you know, the difference between the the career, which was good, but it was about me. And a calling mm. is about someone else. And you can't say no to that. You know, I tell people I, I already retired. I, I'm not planning to retire from this because you don't retire from a, a calling. So that was five years ago, and uh, you know we've been we've put a lot of time and effort into to transitioning to an entrepreneur. We didn't have a network. We didn't have a. I mean, I had a LinkedIn account, but it was I had wow. so few connections. We didn't have a clue. Um, but you know that's okay. You just keep going forward and keep going forward. And we made plenty of mistakes. Um, there's no doubt about it. But you know we only call it failure when we quit trying. You know, it's not failure if we continue to go. Nobody tells you that you failed to learn to walk, right? But I guarantee you, even your little one, you know, fall down and fall down. We all did. When we learned to walk, we learned by failing. We learned what didn't work. But nobody failed to learn to walk. We don't call it failing to walk. We call it learning. The problem is that as we get older, we start to listen to the other voices around us, the negative voices. And so we say, oops, I tried that and it didn't work. I'm not going to try it again. And so we we allow other others to, to veto us. Um, oh, another <laughs> one. Uh-oh, Rhea. Taria, make sure you get that one too. How often are we allowing people to veto our success, mm. our significance, mm. our overcoming, our mission to help people add value to change their life. How many times are we allowing people to veto us? That's huge, Rhea. It, it is. And it's, you know, it's, 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 we're playing small. When we do that, we're playing small. Um, nobody gets, nobody gets excited about average in life. And so, if we're settling or if we're allowing others to pull us back and keep us average, we're allowing them to dictate our level of impact in the world. And uh, that's sad. That's sad. That's why my, uh, my, I'm, the book I'll probably release next week uh, talks about it, the, um, I use the acronym achieve, you know, maximizing your potential. And I talk about the letters in achieve stand for attitude and, choices and humility and an integrity and energy and vision and excellence because i think these three or these these seven things are the keys to achieving in life you know the thing is we just don't talk about how to achieve success or happiness in life we go to school and we learn to read and write and do math and science but nobody you know my parents never taught me how to how to be successful how to achieve goals you know, no job training ever taught me that, um, you know, no college class. It's really, it's, it's those fundamental success principles that when we apply them can launch us um, beyond where we could even imagine sometimes. Man, I, and I think you're so right, Rhea. So, you know, it's funny you, you talk about, um, you mentioned major earlier. So I would be an absolute, I think, um, I, I want to even say this. I, I, I would be an absolute idiot to know all this leadership and have been studying leadership um, and not start training him now, you know, at the yes. age of seven, because you, you said it um, earlier. I didn't get this growing up and it wasn't and I'm not I'm not. Um, it has nothing to do with my parents or college. It was at the right time that I got it. That's what Ooh. I look at. I'm sure. not saying anything was wrong with my upbringing, but now that I know, I'm transferring that to my son. So just to let everybody know, there is a company out there called, I think it's Big Life Journal, Rhea. 
I've never heard of it. Big Life Journal? Yes. And when I tell you, I am so ecstatic because this lady um, who started it, I ordered the Big Life Journal for my son and it teaches in a very seven-year-old manner how to build goals, how to, at his age, understand, um, like you said, those neurotransmitters and understanding that the more often you fail, the easier it becomes mm-hmm. to overcome because failure now becomes part of the process, not an endpoint. And I, I spent $100 yesterday on all the worksheets because it's teaching him now to eliminate limiting beliefs. Mm. So I can teach him now what I'm, I learned, you know, starting at about age 36 and 37, he's going to be a powerhouse. So, you know, I'm always constantly praying over my son that, you know, he is a leader. That's what his name means. Major and Alexander means protector of people. So we pray over major every day that he is a leader and that he protects people, that he's a, he's a protector. That means he's constantly, you know, putting himself out there to protect people. So I am just so excited that we're talking about this, but if you are a parent and you have a, a child or a teenager, this Big Life Journal is absolutely awesome. So yeah, Rhea, check it out. It's called Big oh, Life well. Journal. Very pleased with what I'm seeing and um, I can't wait for the journal to come in. Um, you got to check it out. So, um, Rhea, what what else can we talk about in terms of what's on the cusp, right? I know that when you and Mac talk, it's normally to private audiences. I know you're going to be at Yale. So if anybody is in, uh, where is Yale? <laughs> it in Maine, I believe? It's in Connecticut. Connecticut. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I had to look it up, too. Yeah, it's Connecticut. I knew it was right there in the Northeast. I just um, had forgot. Um, I will tell you. I don't know if it's open or not, but if you're in in Connecticut, um, it is. Um, okay. In fact, if you go to the website, there's a, a link for an events calendar. So we don't do a lot of public um, conferences, but every time we do, there's a link on our uh, website calendar that allows you to to look at us and follow our schedule. Um, so what's next? That's a, a really good question. Um, you know, we've we've kind of gotten to the point where we're speaking a good bit more and traveling yeah. a good bit more. And so, you know, focusing on um, things like writing books has, you know, the time has definitely decreased for that. And that's sure. okay. Um, but really what's next for me, I just launched a, a podcast, 360 Influence. And really I, I, my heart is helping women maximize their potential in life and leadership and, you know, learning to develop influence at 360 degrees, you know, up, down, left and right, because we all want to influence others. And uh, so that's really kind of the next thing for me is, is focusing on um, that, um, you know, kind of growing that podcast. I just, I really do think it's about being a river and sharing my message. So um, right now I'm trying to do two episodes a week. So, you know, that's, um, it's exciting and, and fun, a little bit out of my comfort zone, um, regularly doing mm-hmm. podcast episodes and, and things like that. But I'm having fun with it, definitely having fun with it and uh, looking forward to digging into that more. Good for you. Good for you. No, this is, this is, uh, and, and I would assume you can find this podcast on iTunes and I yeah. believe, correct me if I'm wrong, you and Mac are also using Anchor. So it's not only on yes. iTunes, but any other major platform guys, uh, uh, Anchor, which I love. And, and, and here's some good business advice that I'm also going to be asking Rhea about. Anchor, once you upload it to Anchor and we use Anchor as well, it broadcasts to just about every platform you can think of. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, geez, all those others. Uh, oh, into uh, every, Stitcher. Every, yes, thank you, Stitcher. So get it to Anchor. If you're serious about having a podcast, you need to do it through Anchor. It's free at the moment. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they'll <laughs> ever start charging. I don't know. I, I would assume I would that their business model has to be something that they're about to offer to upgrade because it's a fantastic platform. Rhea, for any burgeoning authors, how have you been able to maintain a very hectic speaking schedule that is intentional? So I'm not, guys, I need you to know they're not just flying all over the country by the seat of their pants. (laughs) They are in demand and they are sometimes having to turn down opportunities. 
how do you, what do you do? What is your process to writing a book? Do you, you use, uh, what is it called? Create space, I believe for the book covers. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys, I need you to understand, they're not, they're not investing thousands and thousands of dollars. What I like about Rhea, they are trying to keep this as close contained in terms of cost as much as possible. So can you drop a few nuggets of knowledge, Rhea, on how you're doing that? Sure. Those are great questions. I love to talk about that. Um, so yes, we use Create Space to, to self-publish all of our books. Now here's the key with self-publishing um, or any kind of publishing. You know, these days it's easy to, to publish a book, but you need a network um, to drive the demand for that. And LinkedIn has been very powerful for us. Um, you know, LinkedIn is just a, a great way to network and interact with people. But the ticket is, you know, I, I don't, I just get on there and I add content, I add value and I build relationships and the rest takes care of itself. Um, you know, there are a lot of, of people out there who want to use social media for network marketing and, and that's okay. It's just not my approach. My approach has been to add value and add content and then be top of mind, you know, interact with people, have conversations. Um, but yeah, create space. It's an Amazon affiliate. Um, love it. Um, so easy to use. So in a, you know, so inexpensive. Um, and I do all of our, like I'll do all of our book covers in word. Um, now create space has a plug in template that you can use too. So it's so easy. You can get as creative and original as you want, or if you need a little more support, they've got a step-by-step template, um, and creating those and you can upload your book and you can have a, a online book, um, in 36 hours. It's fabulous. Um, but really the, the ticket for that is, is having someone who's interested in the book and, and buying it. And so rather than focus on selling books, we focus on adding value. And uh, that's been huge in terms of our business model. Um, it's a little bit different than a lot of people um, go about it. Uh, but it's worked for us. And we'd, we'd rather have that mindset of just giving rather than um, asking. I love it. Yeah, you guys are doing some incredible things, Rhea. Um, guys, if you want to, I want to say this again. If you wanted to reach out to Rhea, go to RiaStory.com. I'm going to flash that again across the bottom of the screen on the ticker tape. Um, Rhea, this has been a phenomenal show. Anybody that is listening, please share this broadcast. I know that there's somebody out there who is lim- living in limited territory. Mm. They're living in the territory of limited and not limitless because they are being held bondage by their past, whether it was, again, molestation, whether it was abuse, whether it was neglect, you feel like you were dropped, you feel like you were just left alone, but you're being anchored to the bottom of the ocean because of that. You have got to cut ties with it and move on. This story, this this interview is for you. So if you want to contact Rhea, um, I know that her and Mac have limited time on coaching. But if you're willing to invest in the value of having her or even Mac or the both of them, I will tell you it will be well worth it. Um, I know I'm probably assuming a lot, but I know that... Um, their schedule is tight, but if you need to get in contact with them um, or you want to do it and just follow them virtually, get on Rhea's podcast, go to their websites. They, they're doing amazing things. And if you're in Connecticut, and I believe it's in October, Rhea. Uh-huh. October uh, 18th. October 18th. If you're at Yale University, you can hear her and her husband speaking at one of the most prestigious universities in the world. So again. The little girl from unknown, the unknown town in Alabama is now speaking at Yale. So we're very blessed. Very blessed. Thank you, Marcus. Uh, Fabulous questions and really great um, dialogue to dig into. It's it's kind of what I love to do is is dig into some of these issues and and talk about them. Yeah, it's your story is amazing. Again, um, really excited. 
Rhea, I look forward to having you and Mac on the show because then I want to I want to have a show on how do you guys manage such a successful marriage? <laughs> okay, um, that'd so be gonna, a good one. That's going to be a good one um, to hear both of you and, and and hear that because a lot of people are trying to figure it out mm-hmm. still. So um, I look forward to it. Rhea, please tell your great husband, my good friend, um, to have a good night. Thank you for giving us about an hour and uh, six minutes of your time. <laughs> sure. Um, This has been incredible. Thank you for your transparency. And to my blended family, guys, I want you to share this broadcast, reshare it, and then share it some more because somebody needs to hear it. Catch us again in a couple of weeks. We're going to be touching on next month is my women's, my my month to dedicate to women. And we're going to be touching on health from a men's, uh, a male's perspective and where I failed a lot in understanding my wife and her health from a mental and physical standpoint. Um, So I'm gonna be hoping to help a lot of men out there understand the complexities of what women can go through. And if you don't, you you can't have compassion on something until you can comprehend it. And I learned that Rhea, because me and my wife, we have a marital, we, we had some marital counseling uh, this past Friday. Mm-hmm. And our coach, he, um, he's an amazing coach. His name is Dr. Uh, Mark Jones out of San Antonio. And he started delving into some areas that were blind spots for me. Wow. And when he said what um, he said, I'm paraphrasing and now I'm taking it as my own. But when you cannot have compassion for someone until you can comprehend what they're going through. That empathy, that ability that empathy. to empathize. You can't empathize. And so it's going to be a great show. But again, um, Rhea, have a great evening. Um, guys, the book is dropping this week. Go and get it. What day? I believe you said what, Wednesday, Thursday? What, what day are you thinking? Um, I, I'm not going to commit cause I can't, I, <laughs> cause I don't want you to hold me to it Understand. In understand. Week, in the next week or so. Okay. All right, cool. Hey guys, be looking out for it. I'm sure you'll share it on Facebook. So I'll make sure to share it once I see it, Rhea. And thank again, you. thank you for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Marcus. Everyone take care. Thank you. All right, everybody, please take care. Have an amazing weekend. I'll catch you in another two, uh, the second, the second Sunday. Um, we'll be jumping right back on with some really great uh, topics to discuss. So I'll talk to you soon. Everybody make it a great week. Love you guys. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.